Hey everybody, and welcome to the Wealth Effect Podcast, where we discuss methods, strategies, and tactics to protect and compound your wealth. I'm your host, Matt Fabian, and I'm here to help you create your own wealth effect. Hey everyone, this is the Wealth Effect Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Fabian. Today is Monday, February 27th, 2023. Today we are talking about what the slumping U.S. economic indicators and growth mean for investors. Stock market volatility has once again picked up as recent economic data have led markets to reverse course over the strong start of the year. While investors have grown accustomed to daily swings, it's still important to remember that stock market fluctuations are unavoidable. After all, it's the willingness and the ability to withstand pullbacks in the short run that allows investors to be rewarded over the long run. During periods of uncertainty, understanding the underlying trends driving markets can help investors to maintain perspective. Specifically, the S&P 500 declined 2.7% last week and is now up 3.4% year-to-date. There has been a divergence between the Dow, which was strong last year but is now slightly in the red, and the NASDAQ, which struggled last year due to its tech concentration, yet is now up 8.9% on the year. This is further evidence that markets can turn around when it's least expected, and investing based only on recent patterns doesn't always work. So what are the dynamics driving the markets beneath the surface? First, there's no doubt the economy has slowed in recent months. Posted in the show notes is a chart showing the deceleration in leading economic indicators, which is an index tracked by the conference board. On a year-over-year basis, these leading economic indicators have declined 5.9%. Typically, that is a level not seen outside of recessions and is showing the fact that the economy is losing economic momentum. U.S. GDP also for Q4 of last year was revised down slightly uh, from 2.9% to 2.7%. So growth is still positive at the end of last year, but it's weaker than initially believed due to slower consumer spending and exports. Meanwhile, inflation figures for January were unexpectedly hot. With personal consumption expenditures, the measure that is favored by the Fed, still far above the Fed's 2% target, stoking concerns that the central bank may need to raise rates more aggressively. Markets are now anticipating the Fed to push the Fed funds rate to nearly 5.5% later this year. Second, and perhaps more importantly, is the divergence between goods and services inflation. Goods are tangible items consumers and businesses need, such as cars, food, gasoline, clothing, home appliances, and electronics. Services are basically everything else from restaurants to rent, education, medical care, professional services, etc. One defining characteristic of the past few years is that the demand for goods skyrocketed during the and after the pandemic lockdowns while services languished, uh, as you can imagine, as consumers were forced to stay home. That trend is reversing as life has returned to normal across the country, shifting spending back to services. 
Posted in the show notes, we have the Economic Activity Indices, the ISM Manufacturing and Non-Manufacturing Indices, uh, going back several decades. You can see in the chart that manufacturing is actually now declining. The, the 50 line on the index is basically flat, so not growing or declining. And manufacturing is now at 474 so marking a decline. And non-manufacturing, essentially services, is still accelerating or growing, I should say, not accelerating, but growing at 552 this is much by the design of the Fed as it attempts to slow the economy. A textbook explanation is that raising interest rates makes it more attractive for consumers to save instead of spend, uh, slows interest rate sensitive parts of the economy like housing, and reduces consumption and business investment activity. Combined with the fact that households only need to need so many toasters and Pelotons, it's unsurprising that goods have led the slowdown across all consumer spending. Consequently, a slowdown in manufacturing has resulted and is observable across various data points. As mentioned in the chart posted in the show notes, manufacturing PMI has contracted while services PMI is still expanding. This can be seen in additional data, such as industrial production, which has decelerated to a year-over-year growth rate of less than 1%. Capacity utilization, which is a measure of how much manufacturing capacity is being used across the country, has slipped to 78.3% in total and 77.7% for manufacturing. Finally, durable goods orders plummeted by 4.5% in January after growing 5.1% in December. This is all occurring at the time when reshoring manufacturing back to the U.S. is a part of the economic and political debate. One lesson of the past few years is that while global supply chains can be a boon when things are running smoothly, they can also be fragile when unforeseen economic shocks occur whether related to the pandemic or Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Securing these supply chains through policies such as the CHIPS Act and individual business decisions will likely be a priority in both the private and public sectors over the next several years. The next chart posted in the show notes are stock market pullbacks of 5% or greater uh, per year. And despite last year being... Uh, you know, wild year, volatile year, there were 12 market pullbacks of 5% or greater in 2022. So far this year, it's been calmer with only one such pullback. So what does all this mean? Clearly, the economy has slowed and the differences between goods and services are driving growth and inflation. However, not only is this widely expected, with GDP anticipated to be flat in 2023, but there are always swings and uncertainty around these data series. Inflation can vary significantly from month to month as well, especially as rent and housing prices stabilize due to rising interest rates. Fed interest rate expectations have shifted higher recently, 
continuing their wild fluctuations over the past year. While data is essential, focusing too much on any individual data point can be problematic. So what is the bottom line? Investors should remember that markets have regained significant ground since last October, diversified portfolios are mostly in the black this year, and the S&P 500 has only experienced one 5% pullback. However, the deceleration in the macro economy will likely be with us for the foreseeable future and will continue to cause periods of market volatility. Thanks everyone for tuning in to this week's episode of the Wealth Effect Podcast. I hope you're all doing well out there and happy wealth generation. Investment advisory services are offered through Fabian Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. Nothing discussed during the show should be viewed as investment advice. Everything discussed is generic, non-specific, non-tailored information. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please reach out to us at info at fabianwm.com or call us at 925-322-2450.